When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They've got another offer every football fan should jump on new customers using the code PHNX. To sign up, can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. So pretty much a guarantee. And for the third week in a row, we are welcoming Frank Sanders back into the studio <laughs> because he decided that he had better things to do with his weekend. I um, how, how did Vegas treat you, Frank? Vegas treated me like I should have left two days earlier. That's always it, the case. It beats me up, bro. Like I just it's too much going on. It's so many weird people. It's so many amazing people. So many amazing things to do, and every time I go to Vegas, I feel like I just I'm there too long, um, and I just I, I just it's too much and it's too much to take. It's like a buffet for me. Like I'm a, I'm a spe- I'm a specific meal type of guy, and I need that. I want that. I go to your hotel for that. But when you're in Vegas, it's like, but I want that, and I want that. I'm gonna go to Paris. This isn't like it's some sort of analogy. No, it's for the truth. Or something. No, no, no. <laughs> it can be. I mean, it can be. But it's, it's, it's like, not. what do you want, Frank? I mean, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not picking up what you're putting down I here. I want big butts, and I cannot lie. <laughs> you other brothers can't deny, but when a pretty little thing goes, I get okay. So, but okay, Vegas you're is good. Right. You I did. I went for uh, honestly, it was a great trip, a great cause too. It was the Walter, pa- Walter Payton Foundation, um, and it was done in excellence. We was in some. It was at Southside Golf Course, which is a private course, and they, they allowed us to get out there. It was probably 25 um, other celebrity football players between Willie Gall, Eric Davis from the San Francisco 49ers, Sherman White, um, Rod Woodson was there. Willie, did they say Willie Gall? Mm-hmm. Frank Sanders, that dude was there too, just, <laughs> just to name a few. Wow, but big time. Biggest celebrity. I mean, right. But, high, but it was high level though. event right there. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was a high level event. They treated us nice. Um, but. At the end of the day, we raised, we raised a lot of money for the Walter Payton Foundation, and the idea is a man of character and excellence who worked hard. Nothing was given to him, and he, all he wanted to do was do the same thing back. So, um, kudos to Alex Stone. He put it on, and a lot of guys showed up. Crazy thing um, was that a lot of guys couldn't make it because of the Southwest airplane cancellations yeah Yeah. a lot of guys didn't make it i mean we thought we had a sold out event but it was just a lot of guys could not make it because of the plane strikes or the plane situation i'm gonna say strikes but the plane situations yeah it's great cheers is flying on thursday with southwest fingers crossed fingers crossed bang bang i don't (laughs) know if i'll i i might be stuck here and i won't go to cleveland (laughs) frank do you ever get starstruck still i do I, i swear i do i do i do like i'm like that's I, I don't know if you know me though. Like that gets me. Like if I see you and I'm like, yeah, but I played nine years. You got five. I'm like, but you was that dude though. Like, and so when I introduced myself, I'm almost like, hey, I'm Frank Sanders. And I give him a full name. Like, you know, like so. Or I'll say, and you're um, hoping they go, oh, I know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't. You don't, you don't know who. <laughs> Look, you, you're not hoping that they go. Did you play in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. like yeah, that's why I tell my whole name. Like, what's your like, background? <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that that will throw you. That, look, you don't take it. Look, there are levels in the NFL. There are superstars that will not know you. There are teams. There's 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 teams that have only one players who have only been on winning teams. I have not been on that team, so you don't really pay attention to teams that have been losing a lot. So you just feel like, well, this is an automatic win. So when I meet Eric Davis and like he's cornerback, San Francisco 49ers, championship rings, but. 
when I played against him, I, I wanted to play against him because I knew I had I had the skill set to to put some hands on him. But outside of that, you still got I still got to respect that he was on a, on a winning team, Super Bowl champ. So yeah, I meet Roger. I met Roger Craig, and I was like, "Hey, Mr. Craig." He was like, "Call me Frank." Mr. Dorsett. I said, "Hey, Mr. Dorsett, Frank." Now when he said Frank, that blew my mind. That caught me by surprise when I met Tony Dorsett. He said Frank, and I, I was I was I, I paused like <laughs> the world had stopped. Because I grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan, and Tony Dorsett was well, TD. a lot of guys, too, whether yeah. they're in the league or especially after they get out of the league, don't watch football. That's true. And don't love the game or or have a disconnect That's with true. the game. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't take it personally. I have two people that I've been starstruck meeting, and it's like a really odd two people. Who are the two people? Well... You're going to make fun of me for the first one. Of course we are. <laughs> no, we why, won't. That's why I, we promise, yeah. I promise we won't. We will not. Uh, <laughs> Tim Tebow. Okay. Oh, I'd be starstruck with T- Tim Tebow yeah. for sure. He was here locally <clears throat> here at Impact Church. Okay. Started by an Arizona Car- former Arizona Cardinals player. And I was there and I got to meet him. And um, I swear, like, I just kind of like looked up and the, everything was in slow motion for a second. There was an aura. And Yeah. And uh, I was young, and he was that was he was still like a very very big. I mean, he's still a big name, but it, he was it was different back then. Yeah. And then the other one, I don't know why, uh, John Elway. Those are both great examples. I I was prepared for something maybe like a Disney Channel star or something. That's kind of where my mind went. Oh, I apologize. No, 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 no. I mean, I bet Disney I mean, Channel well, star. Yeah, we yeah. talked I about. Mean, we have listen. We have been with Cheerston for quite a while now. <laughs> And what we have found out about her is that she is not as innocent as she is. That's true. That's true. Today. There are some things that she has said in the last hour that I'm like, wait, what? What? Wow. I had no idea. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Listen, I am all for. Someday we'll get the unedited version of these podcasts and you guys will all love me for it. Yes. Yeah. And until then, let's move on. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, Johnny. How about you? I don't know if I've ever been. I don't think I've met enough celebrities to be to be starstruck. Um, I, I've I've met Michael Bidwell, and then he was incredibly friendly, and then that I was with my father, and and I didn't have a ton to say, and he was super nice guy. Um, trying to think who else. Nobody like high. Like well, I have super one one level. more story for you guys. I'm just out of this. So I was here for the Super Bowl. <laughs> just cut you. Pew! Just cut you. Pew! Pew! <laughs> like you did. Thank you. I had. I had. I, I, had, better. I, I had some mouth. I thought you were done. I thought I you were was. talking. I thought Bidwell was your guy. I thought that was, was your story. Not, You're done. Like, I got a story. I, I got one better. Guys, check this out. It's bro. not. I'll tell you. Quickly, <laughs> Johnny. Quickly, no, I've got a story. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, take the mic. Go ahead. Run with it. Johnny, I want to hear. It's got to be better than Bidwell, though. Come on. All right. So in uh, where I'm from in Bloomington, Illinois, there's a college called Illinois Westland. My, my grandfather used to be the theater director there, and he had a student. Um, and his student at the time when he was there grew up to be Dick Jenkins, who was the father in Step Brothers. And we went out to eat probably like five years ago. With the uh, Doback, Mr. Doback from Step Brothers, and and I got starstruck around him, That's and he's like one. won Emmys and stuff, so he's legitimate. But please continue. No, 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 no. That is kind of cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's much better. Much better, than Michael. I Bidwell. mean, Michael Bidwell is awesome. But Urban he... Meyer was your babysitter. Though. And listen, yeah, uh, yeah. when you when you start your life out by having Urban Meyer. You know, pick you up. I don't and think he interacted with you much. So I think he was. He has he so probably many questions stiff, for your parents. He's right probably now. stiff <laughs> army. My my mom is probably. Nah, like, Here's our son. Nah, he's probably. Nah. Like, I got to get the hell he out of this basement. town. He went get, down there. No, his all, wife put it legit. in her autobiography or his. Basically, like she hated Bloomington, Illinois. So like he doesn't acknowledge it. So I'm sure he's not like reminiscing <laughs> about living in a basement where I'm upstairs. You know shitting in my you know <laughs> diaper and yeah that's that's what was going on so the cloth diaper yeah no we don't do we don't play that shit no hell no we throw that away in the garbage you should too <laughs> and you should too what's your story cheerson well it wasn't about it wasn't really about me i was just gonna say my the like the funniest interaction i've had with the celebrity was that when the super bowl was here how many years ago was that like five five years ago I was at somebody's Super Bowl party. It was at the W, and there was there was people all over the place, but everyone was casual about it. All of a sudden, just everybody like there was so much noise, and everybody flocked to this one section. And I'm and I'm like trying to stand on my tippy toes. I'm like, oh my god, who is it? People were going nuts. I finally 
look in and I make my way over to the lawn because I was curious because it was that obnoxious. It was Boo the dog. Does anybody know Boo the dog? I think they passed away. Oh, you don't know? Boo the dog? Oh, Is that like little Sebastian from Parks and Recreation where people go nuts for an animal? Boo the, the, dog. I boo the he, dog. I'm pretty sure Boo passed away. So this is this was Boo. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. So Boo was, they were, uh, he, he was being escorted into Boo. like the VIP section. Boo and I'm the- telling you, there were celebrities all <laughs> over the place and everyone was just acting normal. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm like, oh, it's, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. It was Boo the what dog the being hell? carried what? to VIP. Wow. Carried to VIP. I'll I, tell you what. <laughs> I, I had a story at Disney World. Uh, you know, my fiance is a big Cowboys fan. And she uh, and we were in line to get some popcorn and coffee. And right behind me was Emmett Smith because we were there during the Pro Bowl. Mm. And this is like three years ago. And so I turn around. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Emmett Smith. You know what I mean? (laughs) Try not to make a big deal because I know he doesn't want that. She had left because she was like, I want to go find uh, a different kind of coffee or whatever. Luckily for her, she turned around and I'm like, I'm pointing behind me. And she looks and she sees it's Emmett Smith. So I start striking up a conversation with Emmett. No big deal. Like, I'm not starstruck by Emmett Smith. He's just another guy. And so we started talking, and uh, I asked him if we could take a picture because I know she wants one. He's like, dude, you see how many people are around? If you take a picture, people are going to know something's up. Like, let's just chill, talk in this line for like the next 10, 15 minutes, and we're cool. I was like, perfect. So we start talking. She can't say a word. She's just like, I'm like, do you have any questions for Emmett? He's your favorite player of all time. She's just like, I, 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 got, I got nothing. And I'm sorry. All right, fine. So we don't take the picture. The next week, I come back home. I go cover the Waste Management Open. And I'm down on the – it's that Wednesday, the Pro-Am. Yeah. And he's hitting you know, his, his uh, million-dollar hole-in-one challenge thing. And I see him, and I'm like, Emmett. And he looks at me, and he goes, Disney. <laughs> and I was like, would you mind taking a video uh, for, for my fiance and her whole family? He's like Cowboys fans. So he, I got the video on my phone. He, he said, hey, Gonzalez's. I, I'm so happy to have met you at Disney. It's such a small world. Thanks for no supporting the Cowboys. Awesome. <laughs> and that was it. He was so cool yeah. about it. it was so awesome. So that's my little starstruck story. Even though I do have one more quick example that I that I do remember now where I was starstruck. I was in Panama City Beach my sophomore year of college, and the Carter Three had just come out, and Little Wayne, Little Wayne was in Panama oh. City Beach. And I, I just couldn't keep, and I couldn't keep it together. Yep, we were we were at some bar, and he was performing. He was walking me. around. There's so many stories. You rock with Lil Wayne. <laughs> well, I'm, well we're both very little. Here. That album was my favorite album in in college. Was the Carter Three that? So and it just Carter come III. out. Yeah. Carter Three was your favorite mm-hmm. album. That was mine wow. too. Get the fake out. Hey, Mister Carter. Yeah. Tell me where have you been? Uh, I would. I think I was in high school, wow. so like I would. I had my and little like red Mitsubishi yeah. Eclipse, and I would just like blast that. It had some subs on it. And I would just like blast it through my hometown. His that albums really haven't cool. been nearly as good since. What is going on, man? What's what is going on? My team with thugs over here. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thug one. Thug two. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Like the coolest rapper I ever met was Lil Dicky, so it's not even in the same ballpark. Well, I didn't crazy. talk to him; he was just standing right there. But yeah, yeah I was still struck nonetheless. Yeah, still pretty he doesn't want to hear from me. Come on. That's so Lil up. Wayne was actually at the Suns game uh, during the the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was. Everybody that was a place to be. Yeah. I'll never forget the story. Back that ass up came out, and he was like, <laughs> his. And this is my last piece. They let him shoot that video, and he was like 15. His ver- he, that verse he, he had in that song with Juvenile, he was like 15 years old. And that's all I can ever think about when I hear that song. Really? It was like He was like a little boy when he, he did was that. 15 years old when he, he did that, that verse. Yeah. <laughs> he was under 18 for sure. <laughs> they found, well, yeah, that's right. Answer? That's right. That was a 15-year-old? I'm pretty dude. sure he's like between 15 no, he said he and 17. 15. He yeah, was 15. he was like... Lil Wayne was 15. Lil Wayne was, yeah. It was not all the booty that was popping in there. It was, it was, <laughs> there were no they rules were of, that They day. were of age. I also, okay, I also well, said, as long as one person wasn't of age, that's a little, oh my God. I, th- I Dude, do not. Rewatch that video and see if they were checking IDs. That day. I don't think they were checking IDs. It was a, it was a <laughs> public, ID check yeah, in that video. Oh my God. It, it was more of a public park situation. Your mind just being blown seeing all that at the time. If you're yeah. 15, like, oh wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby. like, what is going on? Okay, now we're done. Anyway, Cardinal. Speaking of blowing your mind. (laughs) 15 minutes in. um, (laughs) 
Cardinals yes. face an adversity once again. Um, Chandler Jones, it was reported that he is now on the COVID reserve list. And that's coming after injuries to Rodney Hudson, injury to Max Williams. He'll potentially be out for the season. We have not heard uh, anything definitively yet. But uh, adversity continues to strike for the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, Chandler Jones, I mean, you've got to have, I mean, since he's vaccinated, you've got to have two negative COVID tests within a 24-hour period. So that could mean tomorrow. That could mean two weeks from now. We don't know. It's, I mean, that that would be a tough loss for us if he's not there in Cleveland. I mean, just overall, um, if he's still in protocol for how many weeks it takes. Um, of course, we wish he's, that he is healthy. We hope that that is on the table first. Um, but it would be, it would it would be it would be a blow to our team in regards to not having all our weapons to go to Cleveland with. And having him to have to pay, having the team, our opponent, the Cleveland Browns, having to pay attention and prepare for him. If if there's on the table a chance that he can go out and play, and they know that, then they have to prepare for him. And if he's not there, then that's better for us because they prepare for somebody that's not there. And that's kind of that's uh, that's war my war minded mentality when it comes to football. That's why they stress having the IR list or telling who's on the injury report or. How long do COVID. they have to do that? So the Cardinals, several people have reported it, but the Cardinals have not released an official statement on him. So do they have until tomorrow to do something like that? I would think so. I would think so until and until they what they they have to know for sure that that's the scenario. Well, what's and what, a positive what's test? Going I, I, I don't sure? know the the ins and outs of the, the COVID testing. I know that they have to put it on the injury report, though. I think I think it has to be on the injury report so the other team knows. Mm-hmm. You have to treat it like an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first official injury report goes out tomorrow, right? So I would imagine it's on there. Um, I, yeah, I I don't think he'll play this weekend. Uh, he could, but I think you're putting together a game plan. He's not even in the, he can't be in the facility, right? So even if he had a quick turnaround, you know, if he's active, he'd be a, he'd be a backup. This week it's going to be about Marcus Golden. And then, like, Devon Kennard's probably going to start, or they're going to run a 4-3 front with Watt on the outside, which was really effective Sunday. And coincidentally, so was Chandler Jones. But I don't – if he's part of their game game plan, it's like house money, but I don't. you have to plan like he's not playing. You really hope that, uh, you know, Byron Murphy comes back, <laughs> and so does uh, um, Wilson, uh, because then you're not so concerned about the pass rush because you have, you know, ample defenders out there at the cornerback position, but um, you know that's it's a big blow no matter which way you slice it, right? Because Chandler Jones is an, he's a valuable part of this defense. We haven't seen much in the sack column from him since week one, but he does other things on the field that make a difference. Uh, and that's what we talked about with JJ Watt over over the weekend. Is that yeah he hasn't he hasn't really been credited with a sack yet, but he's still producing at a very high level. Exactly what they're paying him to do. Um, so we'll see how they adjust. Well, the other thing is, is the Cleveland Browns are not a 49ers team led by a rookie quarterback that's way in over his head, and they're just trying to run the ball. I mean, the Browns can stretch the field. And so Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy, I hope, at minimum, one of them is back. Yeah, they have the best, that being the Browns, statistically, analytically, the best offensive line in football. They've given up the fewest pressures. They've got, by far, the best running back combination. I think Nick Chubb is the best pure runner right now in football. And then, yeah, you talk about, Odell Beckham Jr., Donovan Peoples-Jones. I do think that the the two corners could have played Sunday, and they held him back, so I think that bodes well. And listen, you've got Isaiah Simmons, who can rush the passer a little bit. That was part of the intrigue of bringing him on. Dennis Gardeck is now three weeks removed from the uh, injury reserve. So they got some pieces. And again, like to Saul's point, like Chandler Jones, he had five sacks in week one. He hasn't had one since then. He had one game last year. He had a sack, and then that's it. So we have to look at this at some point as a pattern with him where he's not finishing like he used to be. I think this is more of a game where you're like, keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket, make him, if, you, if you're able to stop the run, push the ball downfield. Uh, it's it's an incredibly difficult situation for the Cardinals one way or the other. So the Cardinals reportedly brought in tight ends, Richard Rogers, Luke Stalker, uh, and David Wells for workouts today. Also, linebacker Joe Walker and cornerback Kevin Peterson. But my my eyes are on those tight ends they brought in for workouts. Um, not names that I would have necessarily been intrigued with. So but. that echoes the, the fan sentiments. Everybody wants to trade, right? I get that. Um, but nothing you do today is going to help you Sunday. Daryl Daniels is back off the COVID list. That's like the most substantial move. He'll start, presumably, for this team 
uh, in place of Max Williams this Sunday. And then you've got Houston next week. You figure you can buy some time, you know, knock on wood. Anybody can beat anybody on a given Sunday. But I would say they're they're stashing some guys on the practice squad. Rodgers was signed. Richard Rodgers, who was with Philadelphia last year, was signed today at Cardinals practice squad. He had like 300, 350 yards receiving last year. The move that people want at the tight end position is going to take time if they make it. So if you want a Hayden Hurst, if you want to go bring back mm-hmm. Dan Arnold from Jacksonville, like we're in week five. Typically trades aren't made this early. That's a that's a let's see what we've got. Let's get somebody implemented. But it's not an overnight thing. And everybody's like, go trade for Johnu Smith and have him here tomorrow. And he's going to start. That's not the way the NFL works. I mean, I don't think it's easy to come in and just learn our system either. Right. You know, the tight end, you're either going to be a blocking person or you're either going, you're going to be, you're going to be some, we have enough weapons on the outside that we can go four wides and throw somebody in there without having, without having to have a tight end. I mean, everything our tight end did was absolutely fabulous for us. And he was making so many great strides, unfortunately, you know, he got hurt. And, um, but going out in, in, on the streets and picking somebody to put him into our system right now, it's not a necessity. But it is good. It, it would be good to have them. So that's them checking the box on trying to get bodies in here. Um, but at the end of the day, we really don't need a tight end at, at that position right If now. you think you're going to get somebody like Mark Andrews, you can forget about it because <laughs> that ain't happening. And I think yeah. every fan thinks that, you know, it's, it's again, it's like the, the curse of the backup quarterback. It's whoever you can go out and get is always going to be the greatest thing ever. And it's not necessarily the case. Again, it takes time to learn the system. Even if they went out and got the best tight end in football, it would still take time for them to adjust to the system in order to be as effective as the Cardinals need them to be. It took Max Williams the better part of his entire tenure with the Cardinals to finally get to a point where he felt comfortable in this offense and they they felt comfortable utilizing him in this offense. And I think as they move forward, the options that they have in-house are probably going to be better than the ones that they bring up from outside the house. Yeah, there were people who thought Daryl Daniels was a better receiving option before the season and Max Williams just took his game to the other level. Give him credit. It's unfortunate he was going to set career highs this year. But to Saul's point, I think it's almost more important that you find somebody who's a capable blocker first and foremost because you've got four receivers you feel really good about. You want to make sure Kyler Murray stays upright and healthy. So it may not be the sexy move, but the tight end they bring in might be predominantly a blocker. And then whatever you get from a receiving yeah. standpoint, that's just what you get. So not only does anybody that they might bring in have to learn the system, but they also have such a good thing going with their chemistry. Everybody's on the same page right now. DJ Humphreys was asked today, you know, how's it going to be in terms of just fitting in with the culture if they bring somebody in? And here's what he had to say. I think that I think that's when you 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 give a shout out to the guy Steve and A-Dub and them guys upstairs. They do a good job of bringing in people that are like minded and they're liking and, and what we have going on here in the building. So we haven't come into that issue. Um, and, I, and I think that we have the type of group that is so welcoming and, and, and so open in conversation that that would be something we would be able to nip in the bud pretty quickly if we did. That's encouraging, and there's faith in from the players in Steve, Steve Kime and, and whoever's making decisions to bring players in that they're going to bring the right people in that have the right mindsets, that have the right attitudes, which is, which is key. They have a track record. They make a trade every year uh, since Kingsbury's been here. They, they brought in Kenyon Drake. Year one, we talked about yesterday, that team was going nowhere. And sometimes like, let's throw him a ball and let's get him a running back, right? Last year, Marcus Golden, they brought him on for a six-round pick. They're going to make, I fully believe, whether it's tight end or defensive line, corner, they'll bring somebody in midseason because clearly this is a team with playoff and January football aspirations. And every week, the expectations are cranked up now. Nobody cares about a third-round pick next spring. Everybody's trying to win right now. So they'll, they'll reinforce this team somehow. I, I just I refuse to believe that they would go out and get a tight end before they got a defensive lineman. I just that's fair. I just I the way they get gashed in their running game, you might see it emphasized even more on Sunday because Chubb is no joke. Yeah, and like you said, the offensive line is one of the best in football, if not the best in football. So they got their hands full, and we'll see what this we'll see what kind of scheme they can put together to try and manage um, that high power offense all of a sudden. Because a couple weeks ago they didn't look that high powered. They were they were kind of struggling, and then all of a sudden against San Diego, right. uh, not San Diego, uh, LA. The, the the LA Chargers, they just they looked amazing. So we'll see what happens with there. So something that like bugs me a little bit is cliches in sports, and there's one that's been floating around this season with specifically with the Cardinals, but every team says it, but they're just like really latching on to having that one and zero mentality. Every 
has there ever been a football team in the history of football that hasn't said we want to have a one and zero mentality this week? We're just going to go. We're, we're going to aim to go one and zero this week. Jeez, take, we're going to take it one one game, one game at, a at a time. I mean, yeah. every team says that. So the Cardinals seem to be really latching onto that statement, though. So my question is. Since every team says it, what's the difference between a team just saying it and a team actually living it out week in and week out? I said leadership and the uh, leadership in the game plan, because the, the, your leadership it will be the ones that hold that will hold us accountable in regards to showing up and playing and getting ready to play your opponent. Like <laughs> he can go out and party, but if he doesn't come to work ready, then I, I did my I did it. He did us injustice. And if the game plan is solid, then it gives us all a chance to actually attack that specific team. We just played a team that looks exactly like us. They got a running quarterback. They got they got big, long um, defensive ends. They got great cornerbacks, some decent corner, good cornerbacks on the outside. They run pretty much the same defense. The offense is an RPO offense. And both coaches are supposed to be young masterminds that can come together and put together a game plan no matter who's the quarterback. Well, next week we plan somebody totally different. We just played the Rams, who were not an RPO offense, a steady drop back, stick it in your face, four or five receivers, and we got a whole bunch of stuff going on with a badass defense. Well, this week you play the Rams, you play the 49ers, and it's that, that's that next week mentality. What's next? Who we're playing next? Are we focused on this week and what it takes? So that one-week mentality helps because, you know, especially when you're playing, you got to play the Rams again. And then you got to play the 49ers again. But, now, you know, now we're playing somebody totally different out of the division. And so now you got to get focused on them because you don't necessarily think that. Well, we're 2-0 and in our division. Right. We can dump a game because it's not a division opponent. Mm-hmm. And that that mentality will be the part that you got to say, hold on, scr- scrap everything. You got to get locked in here. What is the game plan saying? And is the game plan ready to dominate against this team? Defensively, will we have the right personnel and the right guys to – that we feel comfortable stopping the run. Do we have enough downhill plays that will stop the run defense fan? That is the part where it sounds cliche. It does. And it, it really kind of like, well, you don't want to, you want, you don't want them thinking about Green Bay right now. I Who I want to hear thinking about Green Bay. No, I'm thinking I, about Green Bay. I, I agree with 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 Frank. And I think with this team specifically, again, based off of what happened last year yeah. and when they were six and three. And I, you just know that there was players in that locker room thinking like, okay, the playoffs are basically a sure bet. Like, unless we completely shit the bed, we're going to make the playoffs. And then they proceeded to shit said bed. Like, so it's easier to buy into, hey, we can't worry about what's coming down the road. We can't worry about the Packers. We can't worry yeah. about Dallas or Chicago or anything. We got to worry about one week at a time. And I think it's it's much easier to sell that in the locker room this year than maybe any other time. So I believe I believe that hype. It's the hardest game they've had on the schedule, in my opinion, outside yes. of the Ram game. Yep. The Browns have the most complete roster in the NFL. Uh, they're healthier right now. It's a road game in not East Coast, but Central Time Zone. At least with the Rams, you get to stay on the West Coast. Uh, it's it's a game where AFC doesn't factor into tiebreakers. I, I, I'm not picking them. It's to, the 17th game on the schedule, by the way. It's the throw-in yeah, that they had. Which stinks <laughs> because other teams, I mean, you, you'd probably rather play any other team, maybe not Baltimore in that division. Um, they're, they're a legitimate threat in the AFC. They could be 5-0 and right now. They could have won last week. They could have won week one against Kansas City. So the Cardinals will have to play exponentially better offensively than they did Sunday to be able to win. Defensively, if they can match that performance, we'll see. But uh, to me... You got Houston in two weeks, right? So you're not looking past this team to Houston, but then the Packer game is, you know, creeping up. That Thursday night game, wouldn't it be our I mean, like, you want to have momentum going into that game. But this week, man, AFC opponent, do you do you tend to look down on the fact that it's not in the NFC? I don't know. So they started out, the Cardinals started out the week, two and a half point underdogs. Yep. And now they're three point underdogs, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. You think that has anything to do with... Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones. Mm, yeah, maybe no singular player. This is a fun fact. In Vegas, is worth more than half a point outside of the quarterback. So when you see lines change dramatically, it's usually based on quarterbacks mm. not playing or playing, and those get zipped up off the app fairly quickly when that happens. Um, I think most people just say Cardinals have a tough time stopping the run. 
Cleveland is off an emotional loss and needs to bounce back. Browns have a really good roster. They're a good team, and and the Cardinals are going to go travel out east. I think that's why they're an underdog. You were not um, confident in picking anything that had to do with the Cardinals game against the 49ers. Are you going to pick anything this week? I think I'll pick the over in this game. I think there'll be a lot of points. Okay. All right. Well, if you have not downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app and gotten in on the action yet, if you do so, use the code PHNX. PHNX. Um, we always got a deal for you this week. You bet one dollar on any football game, you're gonna get a hundred bucks in free bets if either team scores. So that's pretty much a guarantee. As always, twenty-one and over, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Next Step. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook. For details, I also want to share that, Saul, is this the last day to get 20% off the PHNX shirts? It is, yes. All right, so for members only, 20% off any of our black and white PHNX brand tees. They go awesome with a wardrobe like me where I wear lots of black and lots of white, and it's a very simple thing, very simple life to live. Uh, our members <laughs> members always get the best deals, uh, but you don't have to be a member to get a, get any of our shirts at PHNX Locker. Dot com. All right. So, Frank, while you were gone, yeah. a little birdie told me that uh, something that I had I had no idea how big of a celebrity uh, you were. I heard hence, that. Hence were, she just said. Not are, <laughs> but were. Uh, I mean, I, Frank, I, I'm okay with it. Frank still are. <laughs> Allow me to correct my words. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you played... <clears throat> baseball and football at Auburn played in the college world series were drafted twice mm-hmm. and I forget Mariners and something else Cubs Cubs, Chicago Cubs in high school. Uh, yeah man drafted by the Cubs uh yeah. at high school um it's I, ironic you know I was trying to play basketball my junior year I was trying to play basketball and then um the coach said look I got all my players this is my club ball you you should go do something else why don't you go help coach Talbert which was a science coach. And he said, they might need somebody at baseball. So me and a buddy of mine, he's like, I say, let's go. So we went first year, two, two, and one, two, tw- two and 21. Whoa. Second year, four and 17. Third year, junior year of, of, of baseball, I became, we'd be nine and something, 11. And then the following year, we was 12 and 10. And the Cubs came out. They saw me play against uh, a great Latino baseball team in Miami that was loaded with nothing but, you know, top one and draft first round, second round talent. And uh, the Cubs came and asked me, you know, wanted to give me a workout. So it worked out. Got drafted by the Cubs. And then mom said, don't take the money. They was going to offer me $85,000. Damn. <laughs> My mom was sick with, so just a little sidebar. So last Wednesday, I wasn't here. And I was at the Cardinals event for, it was for, you know, it was cancer. Crucial catch. Cr- crucial catch, right? So, I was with a bunch of people who were dealing with cancer, all sorts, and the parents and family and brothers, sisters, loved ones, all sorts. So I'm there, and they don't know. But my mom passed from cancer my senior year of high school. and But while I was getting going through this process of high school graduating and all this stuff, she said, if the Cubs want you now, they'll want you later. So go to college. So I turned down the money and went to college and then waited my junior year to play. And Coach Dye brought me in for that point. I said, hey, look, I'll come to your school if you give me a chance to play football and baseball so long story short we go 11-0 my junior year and then I asked coach Terry Bowden can I go he said yeah long story then we get to the college world series so and it was pretty cool the Mariners came and picked your boy up that way too so I could have went baseball or football but here's how I'll tell anyone if you're trying to decide if it's something you like and love and that's why I made the decision I knew that I liked baseball but I loved football yeah. And what I loved about football was it was 11 games or it was 17 games or it was 16 games. And in baseball, it turned to be like, then I, I got to the College World Series, JV, and I knew what the slump looked like. I mean, I got there and the ball looked orange. Every other game we played prior to that in the regionals or the SEC, SEC championships, the ball looked orange when I got to, uh, to Omaha. Nothing, I just didn't see the strings. I, anything I hit was a pop-up. Every, every place I thought it was going to be was going to be great. Just nothing. But it didn't stop them from drafting your boy. So, <laughs> <clears throat> so I must have did something that they thought I was worth Do getting Do you think you would have made more money if you played baseball? Um, No. Baseball is a deterrent in regards to unless you're in the top pick, first, second round pick, you're pre- primarily going to a farm league. 
And if you got to go to a farm league, you got to go to farm league first, then you go single A, double A, triple A. Football, this is why I love football. It was a direct contact. Once I knew I was going to get drafted, I felt like I was going to get drafted. Um, I knew once I got into the NFL, I didn't think, I didn't, wasn't 100% sure I was going to make it, but I knew if I did, then I was I was going to start getting checks immediately. I didn't have to go. There's no farm league for yeah. football. You know, the SEC. Yeah, it's, it's the SEC and then Pac-10, Pac-12, B, you know, others, others, all this if you're in a small, if you're not in the SEC, you're in minor leagues of football in college. Right. That's a dig. That's, that's a dig. That's, that's the worst. In Pac-12 country of all nothing. places to make this and statement. none of them said Soul's nothing. Soul's not disputing that. He's like, oh, I don't have a problem with that. And <laughs> none of them said nothing. We're it's Owen true. 89. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. It's so true. It's not even funny. It's so true. It's not even funny. It's SEC, Ohio State. They're literally, yeah. they're literally talking about they're like the little semi-pro team. So, but anyway, long story short, that's I knew I was gonna, you know, I had a chance to make it and get paid immediately. And it wasn't about the pay because I love football, but that's well, how I made I just the decision. Let you know that Colorado almost beat Texas A&M, who beat Alabama. So Colorado could be better than A&M <laughs> or and Alabama. They could so. be, but I mean that is and that happened. So Auburn went like so. That's the kind of stuff. So I did play baseball and and that was kind of a cool thing. Um, I got a chance to live out a dream. Here's a funny, another thing funny about it was that had I known that you could play baseball, you can be a pro in one sport and an amateur in another, I probably would have went to play baseball out of high school, took the money, helped mom out, helped the family out a little bit more, went to, you know, went through the process because I would have been younger than I'd been 19, I'd been like, you know, 18, 19, then went through the minor leagues. And then I felt like I had, a, I felt like I had enough natural talent that I could have got to the next level with the right coaching. I mean, I told you we were two and 21, so apparently that wasn't a bunch of coaching. You know what I mean? Everything I got was just over time practicing how to be a better baseball player with my buddy. So, and then, yeah, um, baseball was a, was a, a potential dream, but um, do I think I could have done it longer? Nah. I mean, for baseball, that that's a trek. That's a hike. You know what? Let me back up. That's everything y'all do in media. Excuse me. That's everything for the most part. Y'all doing media. When you look at baseball, oh, the process, the the process of it. Yeah, you start out small. You're in this little these oh, little don't even get me towns. started on that. Right, and that's literally the part until Ooh. you get to prime time and you're waiting to get to the show. When you get to the show, you're looking at a you're looking at a teleprompter. You got people. You got a you got an actual badge. You know, you park in a certain parking lot. That's that's the that's the really that's baseball. You know, Frank, and that, this is the show, baby. I don't know what you're talking I mean, about. I mean, no, I'm saying I'm at the look at no, I'm saying we're in the show now. I mean, but you know, when you first started, come on now. When you first started, you know, you had to you had to do your work. <laughs> Everybody has a parking pass here, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, really everyone saw? has a parking pass. There's also free snacks. There's also free, free parking. I beat everybody. Free what in the hell, Tirsten? <laughs> Jesus. I'm flying to well, Cleveland. Yeah, like, man. no, no. No, whatever. Yeah. I'm done with this. But look, yeah. So, okay, you know, well, really. Southwest just called me. Cancel the flight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, really, what we're trying to say is we have our very own Bo Jackson on staff here. And so, Frank, we went ahead and named a segment after you. It's called Frank Knows. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's how they used to look, folks. That's how those arms used to look. So you you so had a few fly. plays from Sunday that you want to break down. So now you've got your own segment called Frank, Frank Knows. Frank Knows. So yeah. <laughs> you can take over from here if you want. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's dive into it. I appreciate I, that's so fly. I feel so I'm blushing over here, man. Uh, here, here, here's where we are right now. There are certain things that we bring to the table through P PHNX that not everybody's able to do, and that's also to bring an educated segment that we're kind of we can talk about it as we go along. From that standpoint, so here's a couple of things in the game that I want you guys to know. Number one, the NFL is a copycat league, and if you watch the game, this is the first play. These are these. Are, only going to be still shots. They won't be video because we're not at that place right now. However, um, but I want you to see what the league does. The first screen you're going to see, this is the formation the Cardinals ran. And you have, you have you know, basically you have a, a basic front um, and a 4-3 defense that they're, that, they're, that they're showing. But our offense, you're going to see a play that happens when can you run – can you run to the next screen? And you can see this is a screenplay where Rondell catches the ball on the, on the outside and he he runs basic to the touchdown, right? But what you're going to see in this play is that the, since the league is just a copycat league, can you go back real quick one to the first segment? You'll see the formation that we're in. This is the formation where we have two receivers up top, one down at the bottom, but we have two backs in the backfield. And all we did was we ran a screen. We ran an RPO 
fake counter to the right and a screen out to the left. All right, so go back to the second play, and then we're going to go to San Francisco. And the first play you'll see San Francisco formation is, <clears throat> you'll see they're in a three-by-one set, which is three receivers down to the bottom, one up top, and then one back in the backfield. But in this play right here, go to the next screen, you will see that we actually ran a screen. They ran a screenplay again that led to about a 25-yard pickup. The NFL is basically a copycat league. You're looking at two systems that <clears throat> basically basically run the same offense, and we're using tricks and plays, or we're running, we're run, using the fake play to get into a, the fake run in order to get into a pass play. And that's literally what I'm showing right here. That we're basically just a copycat league. And again, um, moving to the next play. I want to. This is what I want to talk about that I'm concerned with right now about us. <clears throat> Kyler Murray. We have two receivers at the bottom, three up top. This is basically. Look at the time on on the timestamp. It's second. It's the second quarter. Thirty seconds to go in the game, but we're on the thirty four. We're on like a 35, 36 yard line going in the score. And this is something I, I'm paying attention to now. That is, has Kyler progressed? Is he progressing? And when you see, if you go to the next next play, the ball is hiked. Right there, right over the right over the center, right now in the middle of the field, there's a there's a receiver wide open, but Kyler is looking to the left, and to me that tells me that he's waiting for something specifically on the left side instead of just taking the immediately drop the immediate play right there. Right here's what happens: you go to the next screen, Kyler moves back away from the line right now, and you can see he's almost ten to twelve yards back. He's running away from getting sacked. If he steps up in the pocket. He, he then gives himself the window to see. You still see Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, the receiver, is wide open. And to our right on the top screen, you'll see that the receiver is open as well. Yeah. If he slides up in the pocket and not do what he's been doing, which was last year, he'd always bail out right or bail, do a yep. spin out the right mm -hmm. and out, spin out left. And he did that a couple of times in the game that wasn't productive. That lets me know the pre-snap read right now, either he's in week five, like a week, this is week five. And he's still, this is right now, Miracle Miracle Murray right now stuff right, he's doing. Magician. Right. And that's not that wasn't necessary right here. All he had to do was slide up in the pocket, which they provided for him, and then the D, the, the two DNs would have not had an opportunity to make that sack. And so that to me right now is and he did that a couple of times. He did that when he had a chance to hit, you know, Andre D. Hopkins on at the in the end zone. And it was early in the game. And it just something to me right now, I'm I'm having to pay attention to more because I feel like our offense is better than that. You go back and you know, to me, there you go. Cool. But you'll see that I think that there were so many plays that was left on the field that we yeah. didn't perform. A 17-10 game against a, uh, a division opponent, you would say, that's a great game. You know, that's a, it was a tough, hard-fought game. In truth, you know, San Francisco got a ton of holding penalties that they got called back because they're not used to blocking for a running quarterback. So he's changing the pocket, changing the narratives, and those things to me says, I'm, I'm not sure if he's being as solid as he needs to be there's some parts of his game that look like he's regressing and um, or he's taking it for granted that because he has he's priest not reading and judging and he's looking to the left and staring guys down. And that to me is not um, a solid thing. Those are a couple of things I saw several times watching the film. I think there's two things. And Johnny, you mentioned it when you were there at the stadium about because because from the room from the press box, you can see the all 22. You can see yeah. the spacing that he had times to step up into the pocket and he bailed. Now, my my question is, is did he bail because Rodney Hudson came out of the game and maybe he wasn't he wasn't confident in what was going to happen up front? Or did he just bail because he was he wasn't as prepared as he should have been? Maybe he, he had an uncharacteristically, I don't know, not bad game by any stretch, but he, just that internal clock in his head, I think, was rushed because I mean, he came out and said he thinks San Francisco's got the best defensive line that he's seen in the NFL. Nick Bosa was was really good, and as was Armstead, the defensive tackle. DJ Reader plowed through Josh Jones once uh, once or twice, and then they've got uh, the other kid, his name escapes me, that they traded for from Kansas City. He's their other pass rusher who's always hurt. Um, they, they've got a real deal front seven. I think what ended up happening is as the game went on, as he got hit a little bit more, he was more keen to try to take it outside. They left a spy uh, for him, and that was evident, and there was no place to run. And so to Frank's point, I, I think that there were probably two or three instances where he could have stepped up, shuffles his feet, and get uh, parallel or vertical in the toward the line of scrimmage. Uh, I didn't think the in interior pressure was as bad as the edge pressure was. Uh, and the edge pressure was fine. I think they only still allowed two sacks in that game. 
but I mean, they got after him. They this defense, it, it may not have Robert Sala, but D'Amico Ryan's is their defensive coordinator. He was on the staff last year, so the last two times they faced him, they've neutralized him from that regard. Now you go back to Week One of last year, and he ran all over them, so it's been a priority for them. But their front seven is legitimately, it's borderline elite. I mean, Nick Bosa, who I, I've been critical of, he was almost unblockable Sunday for DJ Humphrey. So to Saul's point, I, I think it was probably more on Kyler than than we would have anticipated. It, I mean, it, it looked that way to me. Like he was not the same guy that we saw the week before, um, having that confidence to sit in the pocket or slide when he knew he needed to slide or step up. And that is the... Uh, Part way, it, it makes me feel like in week five, are we, is he regressing or is he getting no, better? No, I think it still I, can I, get better. He can still yeah, get better. Yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't say regressing at all. I just, I would say that when when he he gets into moments where he feels, you know, a little bit of panic or a little bit of maybe even unpreparedness, like maybe he just didn't see something in the defense um, that came to fruition when he snapped the ball, he panics, and then what he tries to do is improvise and. The 49ers did a great job of not letting him get outside the pocket yeah. in his improvisation. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of what I think. Yeah, there could be something to your point, Saul, about you know his comfort comfort level without Rodney Hudson. If you compare it to if if Rodney Hudson in your offensive line as it is is sort of a safety net, you feel safe and you have that confidence, and all of a sudden now you take that safety net away. Just mentally, you could be resorting to yeah. to past, mm-hmm. um, you know. <clears throat> Things. It's like PTSD, football PTSD, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, man, I faced this team last year. They blew through our offensive line. I got hit a bunch. Oh, I got hit a bunch in the first quarter. You know, I got I got to adjust what I do. I got I to gotta go to my safety net, which is running the ball. Also, like, so Peter back in the chat said, why are there so many timeouts to avoid delay of game penalties? You think they would have figured out it this year or figured it out this year. I will say this. Um, the games that look a little erratic – from a coaching standpoint, happen to be the same games where Kyler looks a little erratic on the field. And when you come down the field on the first drive and you're doing whatever you want to do to the 49ers. Yeah, he looked electric. He looked fantastic. I thought they were going to put up 50 points in the game. Mm-hmm. And you get to a, f- a first and goal from the one-yard line, you got to call a timeout because of a delay, you know, because you want to avoid a delay game. And that just tells me, like, why, why, why? Why right now are you calling a timeout because when you fast forward to the clips that you that Frank is showing, they looked unprepared for the two-minute drill mm-hmm. in its entirety. No sense of urgency. Yeah, and they could have taken a timeout right there if they had two left. But they only had one. And they, on top of that, they just were taking their sweet-ass time yeah. snap of the ball. And I didn't understand it. And I just feel like there's these situations where it's like, you you're getting close to the to the to the end of the clock and you're like go 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 and when you're in that position you're not preparing yourself to see the defense and make your proper reads and i think that's what what happened to we, kyler we hold them a high expectations out cuz they're 5 and 0 and kyler's playing like an mvp but you need him to have that brady internal clock russell wilson it doesn't happen to those offenses that's where we need kyler to take that next step or kyler and cliff as a partnership where they need to be more buttoned up offensively. When you saw Lamar Jackson last night in the two-minute drill mm-hmm. against the Colts, they basically ran the two-minute drill the entire fourth quarter. That's great. And it was like Lamar Jackson knew, like, we have the personnel to do what we need to do against this defense. They can't sub because we're just going to go nonstop. Yeah. And I'm going to eat their ass up. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. And he knew exactly where to go with the ball. There, there was a sense of urgency. Every player ran back. to so Like, they went, go, 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 go. That's what you think you were going to see with Cliff Kingsbury's offense, especially in under two minutes. You got the exact opposite of that. That would be my one thing about this that I'm just, I'm just absolutely kind of a, you know, kind of bitter about is that they they need to be better about that. Yeah, they improved their end of the game offense to run the clock out though. So we're taking baby steps with this group. They ran the clock out in San Francisco, something they haven't done on any team that I can remember in the, in the Kingsbury era where they just had to get first downs. So it's baby steps. All right, let's talk winners and losers from the week. And I'm going to remind you guys, I'm going to preface my winner by saying, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, <laughs> use the code PHNX, bet on a game, $1, you're going to get free uh, free money in for to use uh, for betting. And now my winner. Some person 
with a hit on a 15 pig parlay. The wager was just $25. Payout was over 49,000. It's a good weekend. It's a good winner. That's a fantastic weekend. And that would never happen to me because I'm not great at the math. But 15 pick parlay. That's my winner. So I have two winners. Number one, I'm a winner because I use Manscape at manscape.com promo code PHNX and you get 20% off site wide and free shipping. If, if you guys free shipping. I know you guys have checked out my profile specifically on the bet show and there's a nice close up of my head and you can see that I'm using the lawnmower 4.0. I'm using the body gel. I'm getting after it. Manscaped.com. Promo code PHNX. Saul, have you been liking your... You got your Manscaped tee on right now, man. I do. Yep. Looks my balls sharp. will thank me for it. So, yeah. It's been great. Like, yeah. I, I say this on every show, and I'm not going to go prolonged and go graphic about it. But, thank you. Um, it, is, <laughs> it, is, uh, it is versatile. You can use it in the shower. You can, It has a light on it. Um, so, in case you want to do some uh, in-the-dark shaving, you're good to go. Your power like, runs out. Uh, yeah, so it's it like I said, it's it's a great product. Um, yeah, you should definitely use it. So Manscape, Manscape.com, promo code PHNX, free shipping, twenty percent off. Use it now. My second winner of the week is Steve Kime. Steve Kime, who for the second consecutive season has this team on the right track as the general manager, but this time five and zero. Oh. All of his personnel moves out. You can nitpick a couple here and there. He's pushing all the right buttons. Hey, hey, I wanted them to go out and draft Najee Harris. I'm going to bring in James Conner instead. I'm going to go out and bring in Javon Collins, who played you know, a pitiful role Sunday. J.J. Watt announced his arrival Sunday with his big-time performance. A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson, Matt Prater, Marco Wilson, R- Rondell Moore. He may not have batted 1,000 in the offseason, but it was damn close. So Steve gets a lot of heat. I- I've given him heat in the past because he's, he's had some really poor offseasons and made some bad decisions. But they're not five and zero without his moves right now. Um, my winner is everyone that's an Auburn Tiger fan who now is yelling "Go Aggies" because Alabama lost this weekend and to Texas A&M. And I know for a fact, anytime Alabama loses, we feel really good about that in our life as an so, Auburn person. Uh, so, is, so. Is Auburn, Auburn fans are the winners? Uh, yeah, all <laughs> Auburn fans right now are definitely winners. I just uh, I feel like once we're, they we're saw all winners when Alabama loses. <laughs> And that, it, they changed the entire narrative 100% across the board when it comes to picking who's number one in the, in the country, your top five teams in the country, your top four, basically. And I think that's uh, Texas A&M is the winner. Jimbo Fisher, those guys, man, that's not an easy team to beat, and that team didn't make it easy, and they pulled it out. And that's uh, just referencing the college because it's uh, it's tough to win in the SEC and to beat Bama like right now, that is still – that's if they die today – that they'd be 100% happy, and that's all they needed. They just needed that one win. Now, next week they might get smashed by the most smallest team on the planet, but this week they're winners. So, so. My, uh, my winner of the week is my guy from Tucson, went to South Point High School. He now plays for the University of Texas. Bijan Robinson. Robinson. He is uh, he's one of the best running backs in the country. He's in the – you know, some people have him as one of the – the front runners for the Heisman because of his performance so so far this year. He has just been balling out of his mind. It's too bad the rest of his team can't pull their shit together so they can beat OU and not give up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Help my guy out, okay? Let's go, Texas. Help out my guy, Bijan, because he deserves the Heisman. I don't care. I am biased. That's my winner of the week. I got to cover. Because he had over 135 yards rushing, yep. a couple touchdowns. He had one hell of a run uh, in the first half. Yeah. And he's the fucking most awesome kid ever. He really is. I got to cover his last high school football game where he broke the state record for, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was yard, I think it was yards, in a career at the high school level. Um, he was one of the best players I've ever seen mm-hmm. in person. He was electric. It was like, oh, my, this kid's going places for yeah. sure. And that, B. John Robinson is a microcosm of why the University of Arizona football program is where it is right now. They didn't even touch the kid. They didn't even try. You're not good until enough. It was, we don't until need it was you. way too late. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Wow. <laughs> it's okay. It's just a Heisman. No big, no deal. No big deal. Well, sorry, Saul. What about the losers? <laughs> should, I, should I just go ahead and start off with the losers? Yeah, run, run it. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We'll trickle our way back They're here. still yet to win a game. <laughs> so that's my loser of the week, the University of Arizona football program. Uh, yeah, hopefully they can pull it out this week against Colorado. Uh, and, and PHNX Wildcats. We'll be up in Colorado 
doing some crossover shows with the CU Buffs, nice. uh, DMVR peeps, and uh, myself and Mike will be up there to do that. So, uh, but yeah, they're my losers. Of I the saw week. a tweet about like some massive amount of fans that like packed the stadium, though. So at least the the fans are still showing up. What stadium are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. It was some, something about like thanking fans because you're awesome and something about no. No. <laughs> Can I just cut to my loser? Shane, you rap bastard. Don't call me a loser in the <laughs> chat right now. You only got to see that. Get that off the screen. <laughs> Maybe it was a different sport. Such so. a loser. <laughs> loser. I uh, won. Guess the lines today. I'm not a loser. I uh, My loser would be, you know, honestly, I'm, my loser is the Colts. I thought they played a pretty solid game. They just met somebody that was more determined and much better. And it's hard to swallow an L when you feel like you've done your best and you've given your best, but then they got somebody on the other side of the field that day. You can do about it. There's nothing you could do about that. Like that is, that's the beautiful side of when you really see the real players in the NFL show up and really that as a leader can take a, take over a game. That's pretty. That's a special thing to be able to see and watch. Whether he's running the ball or not, whether it's Tom Brady throwing forty-five straight passes is great. But it's it's just a beautiful thing to see when someone can dominate a game and change the entire outcome of it. And I think that is the coach is the loser in that in that in that moment for because sure. they just they Carson Wentz has been fighting for a subject line. He's been fighting for a great win against a great player, and that guy just wouldn't quit. He just wouldn't quit. He wasn't going to lose that game. 31 teams passed on that guy in yep. in that 2019 draft, 2018, including the Cardinals. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> Big gap between Josh Rose and, and no, Lamar Jackson. Oh, Good oh, Lord. Oh, oh, the Cardinals. <laughs> I, you know what's so funny is for the longest time, I think basically the entire time I've ever been a Cardinals fan, I've always said, because they've always had shitty offensive line play. Yeah. Like I can't even remember the last time they had solid offensive line play. I would always clamor for a scrambling quarterback because mm-hmm. I felt like they needed it just yeah. to stay out of their own way. They needed it. And so many quarterbacks have come and gone, and they just passed them all up to go with the pocket passer. And now they finally listen to me, and they get Kyler Murray, and all is well. Things, things That's exactly out. what I things said was going to happen. The way they should. <laughs> Well, I'm going to start off by defending my earlier statement. Uh, Arizona Football tweeting out, a big thank you to our fans for coming out this past Saturday. We had over 43,000 come and show their support at our whiteout. First of all, all, I have been in the press box when they have called out the attendance, and that attendance is absolute bullshit. But you know what? They haven't won a single game. So yeah, they're lucky that's to why have it's 3, not forty three thousand there. There's no way. Oh, you're saying bullshit on the amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's no right. way. Yeah. No way. I saw the stands on TV. There's no too. way there was forty three thousand people there. Maybe they sold forty three thousand tickets no. because half of them they gave away. Right. Well, all I'm saying is the tweet. We said believe it. you. We believe you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe that you. <laughs> um, my loser is the Browns because they scored forty two points, did about all they possibly could, and still lost to the Chargers. They 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 broke records. Like they had a historic loss because of the, I think it was like over, over five touchdowns, 500 yards of offense, something crazy like that. And still lost the game. Like it had never been done and zero turnovers. So they did. And you mentioned doing all that you can do. They did just about all that they could. Um, some questionable play calling, but uh, or some questionable play calling, and then some questionable officiating as well. But I feel like you have that in every NFL game. So it was what it was, but uh, they lost that game, which I feel like they're going to be like super ticked off heading into Sunday. They're not going to be super ticked off. Uh, well, oh, they got a chip on their shoulder emotionally now. Emotionally drained. They got either. It'd be either or. Yeah. Either or. Yeah. This this game would be won in the first quarter, first half, and it'd be determined if they're still emotionally drained or if they're really charged up to beat the team that's undefeated. I so would they say can, physically so drained more than anything. And they can time. get that. So I think so. you're right. I think they'll be pissed but off. Both both teams went through the grinder last week. Mm-hmm. Like they did. Different ways. Right. Good point. Like more point. like, you know, these dudes just <clears throat> basically sprinted up and down the field doing suicides basically right. the entire game. Whereas, you know, like the, the Cardinals did like crab walks the entire game. You know, <laughs> right. it's, Wall it's both fatigue, but it's different kind of fatigue. So we'll see how, how this plays out on Sunday. Bear crawls. 
What else is there? Wall sits. Uh, what's the thing? The planking. Planking, yeah. Yeah. Inchworms. Squat thrusts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, my, is that all we got? Or you, oh, you got, sorry, Johnny. I'm so sorry to cut you off again. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got to call out Shane in the chat as my loser. But the sub-bully <laughs> sub to that is Kyle Shanahan, who continues to be a big, fat fraud. He's looking at his fourth losing Ooh. season in five years. The San Francisco 49ers. Cliff Kingsbury now with a better regular season winning percentage than Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, who traded three first-round picks for what we saw on Sunday. You don't trade th- for three first-round picks for, for what I saw in person. That kid's an, I like Trey Lance as a person. That's an absolute project. He's played one football game in two years. You trade three first-round picks. You go out and get Deshaun Watson. You get somebody who's pro-ready like J- Justin Fields, especially if you think you're going to compete for a Super Bowl. So Kyle Shanahan is a big-time loser, and you love to see it. Who has more hate in their heart? Is Damn, it Johnny seriously. for Kyle Shanahan, or is it Frank for kickers? I hate Kyle Shanahan. I'm not a fan of kickers. <laughs> I'm just not. 